Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Hello, welcome along to the EFL and Below Show from the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football Mank Cave. This is your weekly look at football in Greater Manchester that doesn't come from the Etihad Stadium or Old Trafford. We're here to talk about the borough and the areas, National League, Non-League, Football League, League One, League Two, Championship, everything. We're going to talk about it all. At least we try to anyway, but we've only got about 45 minutes of time to do it. So I reckon we should get stuck straight into it because there's plenty on the agenda as always. My name's Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Ian Foran from the Football Man Cave. Hello. Ian. Hello, Niall. Hey, we've got it right. That's the th- third time lucky. Third time lucky. We've managed to get the intro right. <laughs> well, 50% of the way there because over to my left, to Ian's right, we've got Aaron Benson from the Football Man oh. Cave as well. Hi, Niall. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very, very good. How are you? How are you, more importantly? Yeah, I've, I've felt better. Felt better. <laughs> How are you, Ian? I, I, I had yeah. a few drinks yesterday. A little bit here, same. <laughs> Me and Ian not setting a good example no. for Aaron, are we? Really? No, not at all. Really not. But we're here to talk about football, and you can do that whether you're hungover, sober or not. You can talk about football. And it's what everyone loves to do, and it's what we love to do on this podcast. And if you want to get involved, you can do. Just send us a tweet at MCRFootySocial. Use the hashtag EFL below. And also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. Uh, We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. But let's get straight into the thick of it. And Wigan Athletic, we haven't really mentioned them. They've kind of just been, not coasting along, but certainly they've just been keeping their heads above water in the Championship. Another defeat at the weekend for Paul Cook's side, and that slope is looking very slippery indeed. I think it's now 190 plus days since an away win for Wigan Athletic. This is a side that played extremely well in League One last season. It was always going to be difficult coming up to the Championship, but... You know, when you start looking at other teams around you, maybe they're picking up results. I mean, Bolton won at the weekend as well, and we'll get on to that. But Wigan, I mean, what are we making of the situation there? For me, Paul Cook's a good manager, but he's used to fighting it out at the top end of the table. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see how he does in a relegation fight. Wigan have been kind of one of them teams this season. It's, nothing really happened, has it? It's just, they've just been there, there, thereabouts. But then, I'd say... You can just see him over these past few months just starting to drop down that championship table. And the three points off relegation now. And you're coming into like the 
That's I'm going to say it. The business end of the season. <laughs> we should play. We should play um, EFL and Below Show Bingo, yeah. and every time we say something, we can tick it off. But no, you're dead right. It is the business end of the season. If you want to hit a bad patch of form, you don't want to do it now, Aaron. Do you? You don't want to do it now, and you don't want to be losing to a team like Reading, who are literally just above you in the table. Mm. Uh, yesterday, it was a late defeat for uh, Wigan, seemingly coasting along, really, as they've yeah. been doing most most of the season. And then there was that uh, there was that late collapse they had the yesterday, and that would really worry me as a Wigan fan in the sense that they they were beaten by Derby last Tuesday in a similar way, you know, leading, then mm. going behind, and the fact that they just can't hold on to leads, I think it'd be really worrying. We haven't talked about them in more in the sense that nothing's really happened to them this season. I would say there's been no drama, really, if anything I can think of, and um, yeah, they seem to be slipping down a slope, and without really doing. A hell of a lot wrong. They're um, they just don't seem to be able to buy a win. If you look at some of their results over the last few weeks, it, it can be quite strange. I mean, they held Middlesbrough to a nil-nil draw at the DW Stadium, but then you know they drew one-one with Ipswich, who yeah. are pretty much nailed on to be relegated, yeah. in my opinion. And I don't think they're they're too far off winning games. It's just the results that are key. And they've got a couple of tough fixtures coming up now. They've got Blackburn, yeah. and then they've got Bolton, and Lots those games. and yeah, I mean the Bolton one's huge. Blackburn what are like seven points in front of them, eight points in front of them. So it's just a case of clawing a little bit closer mm. up the table. But that Bolton match is going to be a huge match. Um, obviously, Bolton won at weekend. If they have, as we have, we, we spoke a little bit of a bounce up, um, that that is a potentially real tough fixture for Wigan. And in a couple of games' time, we just don't know where they're going to be. Do you know what I mean? They, they yeah. could be they could be Rotherham, Millwall tackle. When you look at Wigan, the fixtures they've been on and kind of the mentality is... Then they'd probably be thinking, oh, it's okay, we'll be all right. And then before you know it, you look over your shoulder and you find yourself three points above the relegation zone, as they did yesterday. Um, losing against uh, Reading, and then you think, gosh, you know, we're in, a, we're in really big trouble. And the fact that we were talking just then about the big games they've got, local derbies around this area against Blackburn and Rotherham, the fact that Blackburn and Bolton, sorry, the fact that you can't hold a lead against Reading, I don't think will stand them in good stead, really, because the mentality and the way you approach, say, the Reading game, that's sort of dead similar to what you'll have against Bolton, for example. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right there. And, and for me, I just wonder whether something maybe slightly is askew at the club in terms of, obviously, the Whelan family ceased ownership of the club very yeah. recently you know they were there for so many years the stadium's obviously called the DW Stadium after David Whelan so this new ownership I'm not saying that they, they should take the blame but but has that maybe sort of made the waters a little choppier for the players and, and maybe the management staff I'd say it, obviously it starts from a, t- a top with a with a football club and if a new chairman's come in after having such a tenure under, under the Whelans mm. then it is just that not so much, probably uncertainty about about jobs and and such like that. But it's just it's a different different person at the, at the helm. It's different people running it in a different way, and that could have just upset the balance just a little bit. Instead of just sort of hitting like mid table, as obviously they came up last season, so sort of hitting mid table would have been would have been sweet for them this season. Now it's just it seems to be a little bit of a downward spiral. I was going to say when you lose the Whelans, who've been a massive part, they are Wigan Athletic. We talk yeah. about Keith Hillby in Rochdale. They are the ident- They were the identity of Wigan. Uh, Dave Whelan and his family around the club. So it maybe feels like the culture's changed at Wigan, mm. and uh, they've struggled to adapt to that. Then again, on the other side, you could say, well, uh, they were relegated from the Premier League, weren't they? Just after they won the FA Cup in 2013, then they feel like they've been on a downward spiral. Like they've been a yo-yo club over the past few years between Championship and League One. 
And, you know, the last time they were promoted from League One to the Championship, they fell back down straight away. So it feels like the adjustment of that level uh, that you do get from uh, League One to the Championship, some cl- from the Championship, some clubs do well at it, other clubs struggle. And it feels like they haven't uh, adjusted to that very well. They brought Paul Cook in to get them back up to the Championship. Cook's never managed at that level before, and obviously it would be a challenge for him. Will he be feeling worried about his job? We've seen it yeah. so often in the modern climate. I mean, West Brom, West Bromwich Albion sacked Darren Moore, their ridiculous, manager. Ridiculous. Yeah. They're, four, they're in fourth in the championship. Yeah, it's one of the hardest leagues on the planet. Beggar's belief sometimes, to be honest with you. I've... Is Paul Cook going to be fearing for his job, to, to cut a long story short? Again, speaking to sort of Wigan fans and looking around looking around the, the socials as such, a couple of them have started with um, sort of saying, look, Cook doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's clueless. He's not used to this level. He's um, choosing the same players over and over again, and it's not working. We need to like, change things up. So that's sort of starting to rumble just a little bit. Well, and never... when that starts to transcend yeah. through the, into into a bigger bigger dangerous. audience, then it's, it goes into managers, doesn't it? As I said before, they were probably quite comfortable, almost probably too, just in the comfort zone, really. I mean, what were they expecting, up this season, Aaron? I agree. Well... I'd probably just say if they can end the season in the championship because the last time they were promoted from League One to the champion, I think from, that'd be a result. Yeah, they, uh, they, they were relegated back yeah. down, so and that's all you want. First season, you just yeah. want to stay in the league, and they still haven't been in the t- bottom three. They've not been in the relegation zone all season. Obviously, no. there's still big risk of that with eight Slipping nine games there, to go. They've, of course, there's a risk of that, but they still haven't been in the relegation zone. They've put in some good performances, and I think that they'll be good enough to stay up. I do think they'll be good enough to stay up. Do you think would gonna... sacking Cook be a disaster at this stage of the season? Yeah, it can go two yeah. ways. You can get a new manager in, and it might work. But nine games is not a lot of time to get used to your players. We said that with Rochdale last week with Keithel, and like bringing a manager in at this point. By the time they've got used to the players and got used to what they're doing, you're talking five, six games left of the season, and that's just not enough. It's a case of stick with a guy and let's just again take that gamble that he gets it right. I don't know why you'd sack him in the sense that they're not really. They're in trouble and they're in a relegation fight, but it's not crisis time. No. You don't sack a manager till crisis time. And if they can just get to the end of the season or start next season as a championship club and then look to build on, then uh, that's what you want for Wigan because the end goal for them will to be, to be back in the Premier League. But we talk about uh, the championship being such an unpredictable division. I mean, it's so close. I mean, the, the, really, the, the really gap, is. The gap in, in wages and quality between yep. League One and League Two is growing more and more every season. And next season, the championship's only going to be even harder yeah. with Huddersfield and Fulham presumably coming down and then one of Cardiff, Southampton, Burnley, etc., etc., mm. Brighton, any of those teams could possibly go. So it's going to get harder season after season in the championship. I think football sometimes, it, it, it's such an impatient game, as we, we mentioned about Darren Moore at West Brom, but consolidation is so important. I think Wigan, like you say, Aaron, need to consolidate themselves in the championship give themselves a couple of seasons, let them have a bit of a footing and a grounding and then make a push for promotion back to the Premier League. I would use Sheffield United as an example. They were down in League One for like six seasons or something like that. Finally got up into the Championship, took a bit of time to settle down and now they're pushing for promotion again. You can look at the example of Leeds, couldn't you really? Spent years trying to get out the Championship to the Premier League, having been one of England's dominant teams for years and years and years. Absolutely. And it's only just starting to happen you look at Derby as well, just inside the playoffs. You look at Aston Villa, Notts Forest, big, big teams. And, you know, and they're not, you know, they're, they're in the championship, really. They're a long way off where they were many, many years ago. And one way you talk about, we need to, we've all agreed that we need to have, there needs to be some consol- consolidation at Wigan. And one way to avoid consolidation or to do the opposite of that would be to sack. 
Paul Cook, I don't know what you think. I just think football nowadays, it's just far too quick. Like, yeah. people are far too quick to start managers. People are far too quick to start, like, moaning. And I could get, like, even like with West Brom, they've lost... The impatience not, is yeah. unbelievable, isn't like, it? Like I said, you've just come back up from League One. Even if you finish 21st, then you're in the Championship and then you build for next season. You've got a lot of experience. You know what you're doing a little bit more. And then it's a case of like aim for mid-table and then aim for just outside the playoffs. And it's just that's like small little goals instead of going, right, we're in Championship now. Uh, we should be in playoffs. And if we're not in playoffs, we need to sack the manager off. It's just it's just so quick and, and I think it, it needs to slow down. It's all money-orientated. Having Paul Cook been at the club last year and t- got them promoted up to the championship, he deserves time, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he earned I mean, it. He, he earned the time mm. exactly by getting promoted. And uh, I know probably won't be sacked and we're probably talking about what a minority... Of, I don't think he will be. No, I don't think maybe what from, a minority... From what I know, yeah, I don't think he will be. From what maybe a minority of, fa- of fans have thought. But um, I just think with Wigan, there needs to be some consolidation. Even if they limp to the end of the season as a championship club, I think that'd be right. But I do understand the fact that they are slipping down the table. They've got some huge games coming up, as we talked about before, and they do need to get some wins very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Talking of wins, Stockport have been on an unbelievable winning run, but they lost at the weekend. I'm genuinely surprised. Like, and I have bet on them every single week, and this is the only week I've not actually bet on them, and they've lost. <laughs> they've I feel like it's my down. fault. <laughs> they've let you down. Um, and we, we're going to talk a little bit about Stockport now, because the run they've been on is absolutely incredible. Let's not forget they've still got to play, surely, who they're in the title race with in the National League North between now and the end of the season. Jim Gannon's done an incredible job. Obviously, you're going to lose some games, aren't you? There's just part of yeah. football. You're well, going to lose somewhere. some games. And it yeah. was going to come to an end eventually. And I think maybe what supporters are doing is not taking it too seriously and actually looking back and saying, wow, yeah. we've been on an incredible run. The thing is now they've got they've got two FA Trophy matches back to back and the teams in and around them are going to play two matches. So by the time they play again in the league, they could be in a completely different position. Spennymore could be on level points with them. Brackler Town could be like breathing down the neck a little bit. Charlie could have pushed on. So I think that pressure is going to build on that next league match. And it is looking at that and thinking, right, if we can get a win, obviously these teams are in front of us. and it's, They're chasing again. And they've been chasing all season. And that chase as they went on that unbeaten run is probably that decent bit of experience of like, we can catch them. Do you know what I mean? We're behind Charlie. Mm. Look what we've done. We can do that again. One loss, it's only one loss. Yeah, I don't think it's a disaster that with the... Uh they've lost and they've, they, it's all about balancing your competitions and managing your squad and that's going to be tested against Fylde. I think the reaction from what we'll see in the game against Fylde will be very huge and obviously what happens from that will be uh, will be big as well. Obviously they've got the semi-final of the FA Trophy, Fylde are a division above and are really playing very well in the National League and it now feels like what's going to happen after Fylde, whether they win or whether they lose and I think we can say the league's one thing, the cup's another thing, but I think you'll have to you've got to look at them in tandem almost and think what happens against Fylde is going to impact hugely on the yeah. league. That's my opinion anyway. And they've also they lost to Brackley. Um and Brackley have been real dark horses, I think, over the last couple of months. Yeah. They've crept up. If you look at some of the teams Brackley have played and beat with the exception of Chorley, they they've beaten pretty much most teams that have been thrown in front of them over the last few weeks, including a win over Chesterfield in the FA Trophy. They only just lost to Leighton Orient in the FA Trophy uh, the round after. 
Um, but they keep winning games, Brackley. So there's no disgrace in losing a game to a form team. Stockport are a form team. Brackley are a form team. It seems like one of those games where something had to give and they unfortunately they were, they were just edged out 1-0. Before Stockport played Charlie in that, in that match, I, th- I think it's going to decide where the title's going to go. Stockport basically played four teams out of five in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. And that could be that could be huge advantage. If you're going on wanting to go on a bit of a run, you've got Ashton United, then you've got Darlington, Hereford and, and Blythe. Bang, 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 bang. Do you know what I mean? Mm. On paper they should be easy, easy three points. They obviously won't because a lot of them team are fighting. But you'd rather be playing them teams after this loss and, and obviously once they're back into the league than obviously playing teams that are in and around them. And like I say it's a good chance for them to to catch up to Charlie because I think Charlie might just just pull away a little bit now and they feel like they've got the edge a little bit, haven't they? They've also got a match day off as well between the the Blythe game and the Chorley game. They've got a bit of time there. I know it's a week between the two games, but obviously you get so used to playing Tuesdays at this stage of the season, (laughs) don't you? You kind of get Tuesday nights ingrained in in the schedule. So to have no midweek game between the Blythe game which is on the 13th of April, and the Chorley game, which is a, a week later on the 20th, that could be a huge boost for them. We talk so much in football, don't we, about the games, how many games we're playing, three games a week, all the teams are playing. Sometimes that rare midweek off you get, it can do so much. And when you the mental fatigue, I think, sets in, that's maybe something that isn't talked about. They think, of, oh God, it's another game, we're playing again. And when you're in the na- any of the National Leagues, whether it's Salford League or Stockport's League, the National League of North, it's a real marathon, isn't it? It's a real slog. Mm. You're going to have times when you're at peak of your form and the times where you're going to be struggling. And just to get that week off, I think, just uh, more mentally, really, to just refresh yourself. And then you go again with the uh, with your next game, which incredibly will be, be Chorley. And I think that's that quite be a cracking match. That's that, quite huge that they've got that week off between between uh, before the Chorley game because they lose that one. And then it's a real, you don't go in with the right mental mindset after the defeat you've had previously, should they've lost. So to go in sort of with the slate clean on that Saturday will be huge. And as you said, that's just a huge game. The Stockport fans will have a right now to start getting excited yeah. thinking about the National League again. Yeah, I, and I think they're so close. I mean, I did see something today that if both teams both won the games from now until the end of the season, it basically remains the same as in Charlie win it by one point. So it is in Charlie's hands. But I just think with Stockport, what they've done, like I, said, I don't think I don't think there's loss. And I think when, um, when it's similar to when Portsmouth beat Berry and Checker trade, I don't think it really do much. No. They'll, I think they'll just crack straight back on. I think they'll have a decent little FA Trophy yeah. run. Um, I think they'll do well there and then they'll jump straight back into this and, and just pick up that winning mentality and they'll probably they probably would have been prepared for we're going to lose at some point and then we'll just dust ourselves off and we'll just crack on till end of season because it's within grasp the only thing I could say with the FA Trophy would be um, you know Fowler a division above maybe they maybe stop hopefully they just they don't think it more could be the fans thinking don't want to be better off than we are the chances of them beating mm. say Fowler a division above is probably unlikely really mm, mm. and even if they lost that I think maybe you could risk an overreaction perhaps potentially yeah. which is the only thing that um, we also said a couple of podcasts ago didn't we about the fact that maybe some of the players might have one eye on going to Wembley in the, yeah. in the FA Trophy you know and that you don't want that to be too much of a distraction but at the same time you want to strive to win silverware that's what football's all about and you want to be in your stop put you know they've been a real successful club and maybe in the past and that could set on your backs of the players potentially I just feel like it's just about balancing the two competitions Uh, then they're going to come back after the foul game whether they're in the FA Trophy final or they're not 
And um, I think that that throws the conundrum up about you've got your games in hand and fans mm. always say, oh, we're six points behind, but we've got two games in hand and it throws up the debate. Do you, would you rather have the points or would you rather have the games? I think it's going to be such an exciting end of the season. I think it's going to, especially with this sort of two games where everybody else sort of plays before them, obviously spending more catch up on, on games. Brackley will go one one game in front, Charlie will, will jump two games in front. So I think it's just going to make for an exciting game at season. I hope so, anyway. I hope so. I hope so. I think it will be exciting. Yeah. Altrincham, though, that, I mean... I mean, that surely Stockport game, I, mean, I know it's a couple of weeks away. Well, it's, it's a month away, over a month away. But you you can't not look at that and lick your lips and just yeah. relish that sort of game. I mean, because it's all set up for it to be whoever wins that will go on and, yeah. and get promoted. I think it's... Well, I've, I said it a few podcasts ago, and I think as long as Stockport are within touching distance or they're thereabouts within Charlie, whoever wins that match is going to go on to the last couple of games after that and, and, and win the league. But yeah. I think Stockport just needs to be within one or two points of Charlie. And then at that point, you've just got that you've just got that kick on, haven't you, to end the season. It's, it's going to be a huge match. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited I'm as excited. well. And uh, what about Salford City fans, Aaron? Can they start getting excited about possibility of, of getting back up into into the automatic promotion spots? I think, well, there's only one, isn't there? Top of the table. And they're, they're four points behind, but... They've won the last three games. We've stepped up a level now. We're back into the National League. There were Salford City fans who wanted Graham Alexander sacked oh, I know. a month ago. And and now they're four points off the top of the table again. I know in, in all by all accounts they have played a game more than Leighton Orient, but they're, they're just three points off of Wrexham in second. Like it, Anything's possible at this stage of the season. We've seen teams go on unbelievable runs. We've seen teams plummet like a stone. There's nothing saying that Leighton Orient would lose or draw the next two games. Salford pick up two wins and they're bang up there again. I think it's more just a bit of a relaxation, sounds of a, a shrug of the shoulders in a more positive way. You know, when you just, they've got three wins on, under the belt now. Big win against Sullyhill Moors, uh, beating them 2-0 at, at Moor Lane. Feels like just sort of the fans who said Graham Alexander out or when they did mm. the run wasn't great, we all know that. Yeah. But maybe you could just shake your head. I, I went to the Dover game a few weeks back and it wasn't great. They were on a bad run of form. I don't particularly, maybe the manager made a couple of tactic, tactical decisions wrong second half, but the players weren't on a great form. But it feels like that's gone now. They've got the three wins. It was just They just needed that one win, I think, to kick on. And I think the confidence will do them the world of good beating Sully Hill Moors. Over the weekend, and that you just want to, I think for Salford, it's momentum into. I think if yeah. they have momentum, they're gonna fly. And if they're struggling, you know, it it feels like it's a massive overreaction because they've never been loosed, used to winning. Maybe we discussed that with Sol, with Stockport's. Why I think just that overreaction to wins and to losses, and I just think that's what it was. I would say that with the momentum and looking at the league as we have now, maybe you don't want to look at Leighton Orient. You want to be in that second or third spot with Wrexham and Sullyhill Moors, and you know every. I mean, every game's a must win. And there's an incentive in the National League with the playoff system to finish as high up the table as you can. It's not oh we'll settle for a place in the playoffs and we'll get whoever we get and we'll hopefully try and beat them. The higher you finish up, the more favourable the draw is going to be for you in the playoffs. That's how the National League playoff system works. So there is an incentive to keep going till the end of the season. They might be tempted like what Huddersfield did in the championship a few years ago when they got promoted up to the top flight. They knew that they were going to be in the playoffs. They rested some really key players for the last few games of the championship season and went on and won the playoffs through that decision the manager made. You can't do that in the National League. You can't afford to do that. No, you, you definitely can't. But I think it'd probably take a bit of a, 
not a collapse because you know when we saw they they were on a losing run and they were struggling you know they couldn't get out of that and they won't want to go on another one of them when they lose three four games or they they can't win for three four games for whatever reason and I think for them to hit form now is just at a crucial time and the win they had just want to you know get back to normal really and it's I think the past few wins that they've had is just getting your head back above the water. Yeah, I think obviously as well the second. Uh... Highest scorers at National League North. Uh, National League, sorry. <laughs> that would <laughs> wrong, be some effort, wrong, wouldn't it? Wrong. If they were the top scorers in National League North. But obviously, goals at this point as well, like I said, run three game, unbeaten run. Them goals and that sort of, mm. that's going to get you places. There is, what, nine games left of the season or something like that. And for them to start picking themselves up, every team at some point throughout the season, we've seen it over and over again, always hit a rocky patch, always. And I mean, that's 27 points available. Yeah. That's a, and that's a, a hell lot. of a lot. I mean, if you look from even like the bottom of the playoff, seventh, Gateshead, to late in Orient, the gap's only eight points. Yeah. It's really tight up there. Braintree Town, bottom of the league, haven't even got 27 points. Well, There's yeah. still 27 points to play for. Yeah. So, you know, you, ha- you have to kind of put these things into perspective. I think perspective's often needed in football as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. And we were questioning perspective when Keith Hill got sacked by Rochdale last week. We'll be chatting about them in a sec, but this is the EFL and Below show in association with the Football Man Cave, brought to you by the Manchester Football Social. I'm Niall, we've got Aaron, we've got Ian. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a nice little review as well. Uh, and follow us on Twitter. It's at MCRFootySocial. Use the hashtag EFLBelow. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Hello, welcome back to the EFL and Below Show in association with the Football Mank Cave right here from the Manchester Football Social my name's Niall. Alongside me from the Football Man Cave, we've got Ian Foran. Hello, Ian. I'm good. Are you not, though? <laughs> I'm really not. You're not. <laughs> I'm really not. Oh, God. It's just his, his head is all over the place. My eyes feel like they're falling out of my head. <laughs> Aaron, you seem to be in considerably better shape than your friend Ian here. Couldn't get in much worse shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Good to just, hear it. Uh, I'm very good. Just analysing the uh, situation in the League One table as we speak. No, really? Just, just having a good old look through whilst Ian uh, scrolls through the Facebook. I I am looking at Rochdale fans' reactions yesterday. Okay, well, let's talk about Rochdale because that was the plan anyway. So let's let's roll with it. Uh, Keith Hill got sacked by Rochdale last week. We were a little bit worried about what that might spell for the club. We were speaking about it with Paul Cook and Wigan just a moment ago. If they sack him, will it backfire? Or will they get that new manager bounce? Rochdale have got the no manager bounce. The they no they manage- won. They won at the weekend, which it, is massive for them. You see a team who struggled for so long, and then all of a sudden, and you don't think a manager, even though obviously the manager's job is to be impactful, but you don't you don't really see it until a new manager comes in. You always think, why can them players not produce that 
previously, obviously. Brian Barry Murphy's come in. He's took him, he's probably just changed the training a little bit, probably just made him feel a little bit better about themselves. And Rochdale fans are buzzing. We've got, obviously, they've got, they've got a win, um, which is what they've been hoping for. Takes them within three points of, like, getting up into that out the relegation zone. People are saying they attacked as one, they defended as one. It's um, it's nice to sort of see a little bit of feel good, obviously after the sort of the the year they've had, obviously this year. But the, this week, I mean, I I watched Rochdale fans just go back and forth. It's like two armies between themselves, between Keithel out and Keithel in. They've just been clashing, clashing, clashing. But now you you can sort of see them as a collective, like yeah, this is what we want. Like right? let's start getting our identity back. Let's get ourselves on a bit of a run, and let's see if we can get ourselves. And and like similar to Wigan, basically, just keep ourselves in in League One this season, and then kick on possibly next season. Yeah, he doesn't. I think this season probably, hopefully, Rochdale should stay in League One. Just want to kind of shake it off, don't you? Really, it's happened. It's in the past. Yeah, and we try and move on. I think uh, I can't tell you how big that win would against Shrewsbury yesterday. I think they'd have lost that. Shrewsbury are only in twentieth position. They're in a real shake up. Very easily could go down. They're in a relegation battle like with Rochdale. It was one of them six pointers, wasn't it? You know, yeah. business end of the season. Teams down at the bottom. Another one said it again. <laughs> teams at the top. You know, and uh, just to get that win for Rochdale over Shrewsbury, I think it was um, pretty huge. And they just. I think it's just moving on to the next few games now. Just they've had that new manager bounce, <laughs> another one. We love it. We love it, and just want to just want to move on. Basically, it's, he's gone. Keith Hill's been and gone. Maybe the ghost of Keith Hill. <laughs> that, that could be a bit harsh to sh- bit, bit harsh to say, but um, yeah, they've they've got Oxford on Tuesday night. Who were also in the relegation zone. Time to sack Keith Hill, probably. I don't think it was the right decision to set Keith Hill, but the timing of it was probably right in the sense that if they can get another win against Oxford on Tuesday, that really sets them up. Well, after that, they've got they've got Scunthorpe and then they've got Accrington, which is, again, two teams within their reach. If they get a win against Oxford, that takes them to 30, no, 40 points, sorry. Near enough one point, maybe two points behind Accrington or Scunthorpe. And then they, they're, they're in a real run then, aren't they? And they're like, look, oh, we can actually catch these teams above us. So... Maybe if you sort of look at it from that angle, and, and we sort of said we don't think the timing was right, but actually if you actually look at the fixtures, they've got real crucial fixtures, and a new manager bounce along with them fixtures could just go hand in hand to Rochdale save themselves in League One. The four games they played, and obviously uh, Shrewsbury in the game, they've got nine more points to play, all, all winnable fixtures, and uh, probably them the twelve points starting with yesterday, they're going to. Uh, they're going to affect Rochdale not just in the short term as in the next few weeks, but they're going to affect the next 18 months of Rochdale, I'd say, in terms of what in they're in, league they're in, that impacts them next season. You never guaranteed a bounce back of promotion. They'd probably kind of look at Berry's model if that happened, but they just want just want to survive, really. And it's just, as I said, about Wigan, keep your head above the water yeah. and somehow scrape to uh, scrape to survival, but doing it, and is that's easier said than done because at the mm. bottom of the league is so close. We talk about the championship being close. I mean, Wickham are in 12th position on 44 points and, you know, Oxford are in 23rd on 39. I mean, it's so close. I mean, how many times in the past will we have said a team in the top half of the table with 10 games to go can go down? It really is crazy. Well, let's go through some of the possible replacements for Keith Hill. If you look at the candidates, the betting suggests that Brian Barry Murphy is the odds-on favourite at 6-4. to four. Ian Everett, of course, is currently at Barrow. He's 3-1. to one. Tony Ellis is 4-1. to one. Paul Hurst, the former Ipswich and Shrewsbury town manager, 
He, for me, is one that the Rochdale fans have been telling me they would prefer. A, yeah. a fair few Rochdale fans have, have brought Paul Hurst's name up. Then you've got Phil Brown at 25s, Daryl Clark, the former Bristol Rovers manager at 25s, uh, Tim Flowers, obviously, who's at, at Solihull Moors, Jim Gannon's 25s, Kevin Nolan, Jim Bentley, and then it just goes on. Loads of managers out of a yeah, job at the moment that, that have odds on them going into Rochdale. For me, I don't think Paul Hurst would be too bad of a shout. Two or three wins might be enough for Rochdale to stay up. And the next few games are winnable games. You've mentioned those names. They've obviously all credible managers in the respective fields. They've all had various of varied success in the past 5, 10, 15 years. But I would, in the sense that someone who knows the club, I would just give it Barry Mur- give it Brian Barry Murphy myself. I think it's a growing trend of getting people in who love the club or have a, an affiliation with the club or you know something to that effect. And it's like a positive... A positive effect on the back of it. I think it's. I think if they win Oxford, and they've got what then eight games left of the season. I mean, could, you, could you do what we've seen happen? I know we don't talk about the Premier League, but Manchester United have said yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going till the end of the season. Could they do that feasibly with Brian Barry Murphy and say, give it a go? I mean, we can't do any worse than we're doing. Obviously, that's how they felt with Keith Hill. Nine defeats out of eleven games before Keith Hill got the sack. There's a you know a possibility they could do that and just say. Brian Barry Murphy until the end of the season. If he earns a deal, he earns a deal. If not, we've got a market in the summer with plenty of credible managers, as you say, Aaron, out there, and then make a decision then. Yeah, I'm not seeing you know, disrespecting the manager if you've mentioned they're there for a reason. They've, you know, they're, they're not the top of the betting list for nothing. But I just feel like when you bring a manager, an external manager in, you get that culture shock, don't you? You yeah. get that change. Obviously, Rochdale have decided to make a change, not having Keith Hill, but you bring in, by, bring in Brian Barry Murphy, someone who knows the players. And I just think that's so so crucial for them. Maybe there's an emotional connection they have with him that they don't have with other managers. And just to get that bounce that they got against Shrewsbury, they can carry that on. And you you know you make progress. You make a step forward with Brian Barry Murphy. You know you make a managerial change. You bring in say that what you've just talked about Matt, now the names you've mentioned. Yeah. You sort of you know risk making two steps backwards with the yeah. defeat, don't you? And you just. We've talked a lot about consistency and continuity and now I feel like you put that at such a big risk at this time of the season, bringing in an external an external name in and I just think it's better to keep it within the club at this moment in time. As Berry did, I mean Rochdale fans won't like me mentioning Berry with Rochdale, but say just keeping Ryan low in. You know, the, uh, you know second, a year ago he was the manager, he took them down, but he's rebuilt himself and he's rebuilt the club in spectacular fashion this season. And I just think uh, with Brian Barry Murphy, he will be the right man to the end of the season. And I think personally he will be the best man to keep them up. Not in terms of he's got a great CV, not because he's a firefighter manager, just because he knows the club, he's got experience with the group of players, he knows the group of players, he knows the club very well. And I think that that can be so underestimated when you're in a relegation fight. I think Paul Hurst is the fan's choice, personally. But I think the rational choice would be to go with, with Brian Barry Murphy. Yeah. It, it would be a concern for me the lack of managerial experience that he's ha- that he has would that, you not, that would be why I wouldn't give him the job because he, not he's not like, he's not experienced and and I know what Aaron what you're saying there he's got to win yeah. but is that the typical sack your manager win the next game sort of situation is that anything to do with the way Brian Barry Murphy's managed the team what has he done differently have we seen too many changes in Rochdale no it's only been one game but for me Paul Hurst has that experience of managing in the Football League. And I think that's invaluable. And I know everyone's got to start somewhere, 
But for me, I think he would be a wise choice because he's got a bit of youth on his side. He's only 44, um, which is relatively young as far as managers are concerned. Yeah. Not the standout candidate because, as Aaron says, there's plenty of decent managers in that betting list. But for me, Paul Hurst would be the one where I would, if I was a Rochdale fan, say, I want that guy. Would you not be like, give it him till the end of the season? Obviously, work on some sort of deal with Paul Hurst and say, look, this guy's taking over at the end of the season. And even something like that would be like, right. Can you not just keep both, though? Brian Barry Murphy's not going to leave the club if Paul no. Hurst comes in. Well, surely he'd, surely he'd work. I think like someone like if I he's going to take over, the players might go right. Let's let's put ourselves together. Let's keep ourselves in League One for this manager. Like we'll do what we're impressive and such, won't they? Yeah, If Paul comes in, the, the yeah. players will then know that if they're playing on contracts for next season, they've got they've got to impress the manager between now and the end of the season. They've got seven eight games to do it, and if they don't, they might be off at the end yeah. of the season. Are you saying like bringing Paul Hurst or a Paul Hurst figure now? Yes. Yeah, is the time to do that? Have they got t- and the time because the games are so close together? Feels I like think there's so always short. time. I think things can move very quickly. Do you not think it? they're bringing in a Paul Hurst figure and maybe that small longer term? Is he almost the wrong choice? Long term potentially, but you've got this dilemma of we've got short term, we've got 10 games to save the season and we've got long term, which is 12, 18 but, months, two years because we know Rochdale just had Keith Hill in, you know, managing the club for a long time. But Brian Barry Murphy was make... already there, wasn't he? So, I mean, what's changed there? They've got rid of Keith Hill, but they've not changed anything else. He's still there, Brian Barry Murphy. I mean, Rochdale need to stay in League One. They need to stay up. So, I mean, what's the, what's the, da- what's the danger in bringing Paul Hurst in between, between now and the end of the season? Because then the players, the players will sit up and go, oh my crikey, we've got a new manager in here. Yeah. We've got to impress him because if we don't, he might think I'm rubbish and get me off out the door and I'll be playing for a different club or... But I mean, I think there's no reason why Rochdale can't have their cake and eat it as well. Get Paul Hurst in, keep Bar- Brian Barry Murphy there. You keep that feel-good factor. You've also got the other side of the camp with the feel-good factor of a new manager coming in. And that should positively impact the players all being well. So you're saying have two manager bounces. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're going for? You're like a, bring a, a times pa- two on Mario Kart. I'm saying bring in <laughs> Paul Hurst and keep Brian Barry Murphy there behind the scenes. But he's got to get to know the players. He doesn't really have time to get to know the players. Yeah, but if you've got Brian Murphy so there, then he already knows the players. Well, why just so it makes just a, a quicker transition. Yeah, why I, waste, I get that bit. Why, no, I don't. Why waste time bringing Paul Hurst in then? If Brian Barry Murphy's there, you might as well just let him. But he but, doesn't ever manage the becomes, team before. But you can almost become a bit of a backseat, backseat, backseat driver. You're saying Paul Hurst coming in, you sort of guarantee wins, you guarantee survival. No, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm saying, I don't it, believe I'm saying that. It, I'm not saying yeah. that at all. I'm saying that it would certainly impact on the pitch in terms of those players will want to prove to the new manager that they are worthy and good enough to be in his plans moving forward. They will need to prove to the new manager that they deserve to be in the starting eleven. because there's nothing worse as a footballer than being told you're not wanted, than being told you're going to be in the, the reserves or you're told you're going to be on the bench and you're not starting the game. Every single footballer in every squad up and down the Football League wants to play as many minutes as they can. Now, under Brian Barry Murphy... I'm just saying that because he was already there, it just feels a little bit like what's changed there. I mean, the players know who's going to start. They know what's going on. Maybe it's just that kick up the backside they need by bringing a new manager in. And then there's the argument that if nothing does change, then they should have gone for Hurst. If you're going to bring a manager in now, I think you need to bring a manager in who's not well-respected, but who's played at a higher level or you know, someone they can look up to. We know disrespect to Ian Everett. If you bring somebody in from Barrow, the players aren't really going to get excited about that. Could be like, this guy's just been in eight months. He's been 
at National League. You know, like someone who's who's got that experience who like the players can kind of invest in a little bit and go, look, this guy knows what he's doing at this level or a level above. Like we want to play for this guy. Um, it's I think if they do that, then yeah, bring some guy in. But I think if there's going to bring a gamble in, as in say Ian Everett, I think leave it with, with Brian Barry Murphy, in my opinion. Okay, do you know what I mean? Let's knock this on the head. I'm going to go with get Hurst in now. Keep Barry Murphy in his role behind the scenes. That would be my opinion. I'll agree with you, but in a saying if they bring somebody in who isn't of Hurst figure, then don't. No, I'm keeping Brian Barry Murphy. <laughs> they're going to play for him. It's I think to say you're going to play for one guy more, say Paul Hurst, and not for Brian Barry Murphy. I'm sure he, he can very easily kick a few of them up the backside as well. Okay, decent. Let's talk about Bolton just finally then, because we obviously had uh, Mark Isles on the line last podcast, and he was talking about this potential takeover, uh, Ken Anderson selling the club or the, the club not being controlled by Ken Anderson anymore. That's not happened yet, but uh, obviously we don't know how that might pan out over the course of this week. But on the field, certainly that's translated in, into the playing side of things. They managed yeah. to get a win. Massive for them against a, a relegation candidate in Millwall. Huge result for Bolton. And we said that. We said they need to win against Millwall. Um, obviously, we know they've got that Wigan game coming up as well. But even, I think... With Bolton, obviously, we, we sort of spoke last week, and we got like a bit of an inside track. And I, I thought actually it'd be a, the other effect after listening like the comments of coming out of the players were potentially getting paid on Monday um, if the takeover don't go over from, from what I read and, and other stuff. So I thought I thought they'll basically down tools. Um, so to see them to to win, obviously, was was great to see. And you sort of look now they've, they've won two out of five, and if they can kind of just pick them little points up they're only five points off um, Millwall and obviously they've got Wigan if they can win against there they sort of just start drawing that, that gap just that little bit closer mm. if the takeover does happen I think you're going to see a very unusual new chairman bounce which I don't think we, you don't really speak about that in football but I think that feel good factor should come to Bolton at just the right time um, Phil Parkinson will have a, a, a squad of players who will be happier because obviously we know from from what Mark said last last time out, they're not they're a bit disgruntled. So mm. I, I think it, I think it's hope, hopefully, and we and we say it every single time, but we hope this takeover happens, and then we hope that Bolton can sort themselves out and and start climbing that table and start closing that gap. But it's it's tight down there. I mean, up up until what you're talking, Reading nineteenth. So you're probably talking Reading, Wigan, Millwall, Rotherham, Bolton. Two out of three for me will go down. Um, Queen's Park is safe. And so so you've got a lot to fight for in that last last bit and we're just hoping that Bolton can can at least give a, bit, a little bit of a fight. That's I think what I'm hoping I for. I think they're more than capable of doing that, Aaron. I think beating Millwall is very huge for them because, you know, you're not just improving your own benefit, you're making life worse for Millwall who are also just above Absolutely. the relegation zone and they're in the FA Cup still, aren't they, Millwall? So they're not going to be playing anytime soon. So, um, so they're going to have to make up ground and I just feel like you get that big win over Millwall, two one up, two nil up, holding on to the win. I think it's a bit of character. It's a lot of character. Canderson's probably going to be selling the club, and suddenly in the space of a couple of days and in just one ninety minutes, you know, you start to see light at the end of the tunnel. It's just something to cling on to. It's just a bit of something. And after the week Bolton had, you know, the game might not have been on. There was doubt whether they even play. The fact that they got the game on would have seen a relief, and the fact that they got three points against Millwall, a team just two places above. 
Um, and it just makes the uh, the fight for relegation a little bit more interesting, to say the least. I just think football's so fickle. Yes. As in, yes. you yeah. get one win and everyone's buzzing. And you think, like, how much it could just turn around a club and the fans' feelings is... And you get, like, two wins and there's a different atmosphere in the club around the ground. The fans are a little bit more buoyant. How much do you think that social media plays a part in that? Oh, huge. Absolutely massive. I think it's close to 80 or 90%. Yeah. You start seeing people, and, and we speak about it a lot, people start being a little bit disgruntled and then people jump on the back of that. Yeah. And then they're like, Joe, you know I actually agree with this guy. Or people don't have an opinion and then see something and suddenly it's their opinion and it just grows and grows and grows, doesn't it? And yeah, I think social media is huge. I think it's one of those, the fans make comment about social media. I go as far as to say us, you know, us discussing the issues around Bolton or any club. So fans make comment, then the media picks up on it, we pick up on it, and we discuss it. And then you can either blow issues straight out of proportion or you cover them rightly. And I think we've probably covered the Ken Anderson issue rightly because it's a big issue, a huge topic, and it definitely needs awareness. We've discussed Joe Thompson, we've discussed Jose Baxter, and I feel it's so crucial of how you present the information at the times that you present that information as well. It's been good to chat to you. It's been a good one this week. I enjoyed that. It's helped me A little bit more sincere. I think maybe the (laughs) listeners could probably tell that me and Ian had a bit of a heavy heavy weekend. Yeah, Aaron, (laughs) fresh as a daisy as always. I think next week... We'll try and resurrect the quiz. I'll do it. Ian's going to do the quiz. So looking forward to that next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. If you are a fan of a club in Greater Manchester that doesn't play in the Premier League, let us know if you want us to discuss your club. Let us know the issues that you want to talk about right here on the EFL and Below show. Use the Twitter handle at MCRFootySocial. That's how you can reach us. Use the hashtag EFLBelow as well. Let's get that rolling as well, guys. Uh, Don't forget to uh, leave a review on the podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And if you do have a shine in towards Manchester United or Manchester City, you can find club-specific podcasts just by searching the relevant term wherever you find your podcast for United. It is Manchester United Football Social. And for City, it's Manchester City Football Social. But this has been the EFL and Below Show in association with the Football Man Cave. We'll speak to you next time. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 